Welcome to First and 30. I'm Nick. And I'm Antonino. We're two 30-something-year-old guys who take the best ultimate reality television show in this hemisphere, American football, through four uncensored downs of mostly unbiased opinion and some analysis. In a game broken down into 10-yard segments, we take it with you one step at a time. That's First and 30. Let's Let's go go for it. it. Welcome, welcome to the First and 30 podcast in the spirit of the Super Bowl and the spirit of the NFL playoffs and this podcast. First and 30 wants to give back to all of our listeners or some of them, but we want to give back to all of you that have been supporting us here since we started back in November. Believe it or not, this is already episode 12 that we're recording. We've been diligent. We've been persistent. And we want to show you our appreciation and gratitude by giving you the chance to win a limited edition, special edition, first in 30 hat. That's right. Ooh. Yeah. Antonino, we are, we are big time now. We're branded. Uh, that's right. We, we have our logo on not only a baseball cap, but a snow beanie so i know we had some snow last week this would have come in handy for all of you who are listening out in the snow walking the dogs you know your cold ears were exposed with just your headphones on so you really need one of these first and 30 snow beanie hats uh they're warm and they're stylish so antonino i, I kind of want to share with everybody the rules and participation Man. Please tell me more. How can we get our hands on some of this swag? Because I think all my dreams are coming true. I, well, I'm going to tell you right now, Antonino, and to all those listening, in order for you to win, yes, a free First and 30 special edition hat for free, all that you're going to need to do is share, follow, comment, or like any First and 30 content that we're producing over the next two weeks. Heck, you can even go back and share, like, comment, follow, anything in the past too to earn points so this is how it's going to work you know we're football loving guys over here and in the spirit of football we want this to be a competition for all of you so in order to win we're going to do a point system and tally up those points so here's how you're going to score points for every post that you share you're going to score a touchdown which is equal to six points so this can be any post and all posts including new and old now the same rule is going to imply for following us on all of our social media accounts. That includes Instagram, Twitter, also known as X, as well as Facebook. If you're not following us on all three of those accounts, you can get three points, which is a field goal for every account that you have followed. In addition, once you start commenting on these social media feeds, you're going to score an extra two points. So a two point conversion, if you will. So make sure you go for that two point conversion and and get yourself two extra points for every comment that you leave on a first and 30 post. And then finally, go ahead and smash that like button for an extra point. Every time you like a post, you're gonna get yourself a point. And then after the Super Bowl, we're gonna announce our top two winners. Each will have the choice between the first and 30 cap or the first and 30 snow beanie. It's exciting stuff, Anton, you know. So does this mean I could do unlimited things to get unlimited points and get free merch? That's 
exactly what it means. Ooh, I cannot wait. I'm gonna do all the clicking. Good, I, I think I will too. So just be on the lookout, everybody. We're gonna be uh, sending out the rules for participation here all throughout the week. You're gonna be seeing pictures of those lovely hats too. Happy sharing, happy commenting. I'm wishing you all the best. But Antonino, that's enough for our plug on our, our fun free merchandise. Let's hop into first down. I hopes. I hope, I hope it's home from work we go. And we're gonna do a quick Super Bowl preview because the votes are in. We have the two finalists, and you picked it. That's right. We'll have to cut away real quick to that clip from last week. You picked San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. What's Vegas looking like? What, what's on the line here? Oh, man. First, I want to say thank you to all my uh, followers here. You know, they had faith in me to get that prediction right for them, and I'll never let them down. In Vegas right now, all right, San Francisco did start out as a two-and-a-half-point lead. For all my betters out there, it has dropped down to a one-point favorite. So right now, 49ers are a one-point favorite. Uh, we still got two weeks to go. I have a feeling that could move to even. Hmm. Thanks, Anson. You know, for, for anyone who's listening that's not aware, Antonino is, a, you know, I'm not going to say a degenerate gambler, but he's, he's a gambler. He partakes in throwing his money away to the rigging of the NFL. I like to say a profitable gambler, as I like to refer to myself as. But uh, ah. yes, I do like throwing some money around on uh, weekends. What's at stake here? I mean, just a quick preview because for all those, we're going to be jumping into more higher level overviews over the next week or two. You know, we're going to have a Super Bowl preview for you next week. And then afterwards, kind of a reflection on the Super Bowl and breaking down the big moments. But for Kansas City, this is now their sixth Super Bowl appearance. They've been in four of the past five years, they've won three total looking to be the first repeat Super Bowl winner since the Patriots of the early 2000s led by yes, Tom Brady. And you're already hearing all those goat comparisons between Brady and Mahomes. And for the 49ers, this is their eighth Super Bowl appearance. They've won four. And this is also going to be a rematch of that 2019-2020 Super Bowl between the Niners and the Chiefs. That's right. And I think uh, the 49ers will be a little bit more prepared for this one with revenge in mind. Uh, they keep knocking on this doorstep, but uh, I think they have uh, Taylor Swift on their crosshairs and everyone's talking about the Chiefs, but this should be a fun one. The the Taylor Swift Bowl. I think the uh, conspiracy theory with the Super Bowl logo, I think they were wrong about that one, weren't they? Yeah, you were the one that brought that to my attention that what the Ravens and 49ers were destined for the Super Bowl based off of the colors of the logo. That's right. But uh, the NFL had to flick the switch on that one pretty quickly and divert from their original plan, uh, unfortunately, for Baltimore. I, I can't wait for the offseason to get into that deep dive of the conspiracies with Antonino. He's our gambling conspiracy theory deep into that Twitter rabbit hole guy. Uh, yes, I think uh, at the end of the day, I'm a money guy, and uh, I got a fun, fun fact from one of our listeners, actually one of our our uh, favorite listeners, Dennis Day. He gave me a statistics from Apex Marketing Group that Taylor Swift has generated an equivalent brand value of $331.5 million for the Chiefs and the NFL. 
331 million dollars for the Chiefs in the NFL. That is absurd. That's since September when Taylor Swift came into the picture. Wow. Well, then it must be rigged, of course. So sorry, Baltimore. <laughs> Take a back seat. Yep. And I think a lot of the Ravens fans are making the claim that the NFL is rigged too. That's just what happens when you lose though these days. People can't take any personal accountability. Sorry for anyone who's going to take that personally, but it seems to be the truth. It's easier to point the finger at some conspiracy than it is just to maybe look at it face value and say, yeah, we just lost. And you know what, Antonino, I want to get into these two games though. Before we talk about the Ravens, let's first focus on the Lions. So it's second down. They are who we thought they were. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. And in this instance, the Lions continue to let their history define who they currently are. And that's a team that's never been to a Super Bowl, right? And in this game, their aggressiveness kind of showed up. But tell me, why are they who we thought they were? I mean, I'm assuming you're probably going to start things off with Dan Campbell. I want an investigation, okay? I want to know what happened at halftime because there had to be shots consumed because the whole team was drunk in the second half. So, so you, they just came out flat, right? I mean, the whole team was drunk. It wasn't even flat. They were drunk. <laughs> well, what in the first half, Detroit ran for one forty-eight, which was crazy because I think I even heard during the broadcast that no Kyle Shanahan team has ever given up that many yards in a game, let alone a half. So they were bludgeoning the 49ers on the front. And that's what Detroit's good at, just controlling the line of scrimmage. They have one of the best offensive lines in the game. So you think they just came out completely drunk in the second half, unprepared? What what was what were you seeing? It was a combination of mistakes on both the players and the coaching side of things. For one, I'm sick and tired of hearing about Coach Campbell being this aggressive coach. He's so aggressive. Oh, ha, ha, how cute. They keep winning games because he's aggressive. No, he's an idiot. They <laughs> lost. Thanks to him. All right? Way to go, Coach Campbell. You cost your team the game. Okay? And the main job of the coach is to put your players in the right positions. You don't set them up for failure. And there was multiple times in this game where he could have easily kicked a field goal, gone up by 17 but no, he decided to be the aggressive Dan Campbell. And I think he was showing off a little bit because I like to digress a little bit here. Right before halftime, fourth and goal, they could have went for it. He kicked a field goal to go up 17. So he was conservative before half. So who are you trying to fool here? Let's not lie to ourselves. You were cautious right before half and took the 17-point lead, but then you change your mind with the same exact situation halfway through the third. So... I'm just I'm a, I'm a little uh, confused here with what's what, but I, I don't like it at all. It stinks. Mm. Well, here's the here's the issue. It's it's easy to come out here and play Monday morning quarterback and criticize the decision. And I know a lot of people reacting in the moment too. Uh, I was getting some texts from folks saying, you know, this guy's crazy. What is he thinking? But this has been the Lions' identity all season. And we were praising this, what, two weeks ago in the same segment? I know you didn't want to talk about it, but we're talking about it. The Lions have been doing this all year. And their strong suit, as I alluded to, is that offensive line and that running game. So why not continue to leverage it? 
do you remember the drive before that fourth down and two? So for some context, in case anybody's listening to this blind and didn't actually watch the game, the Lions passed on a 46-yard field goal attempt when they were up 24 to 10 in the third quarter. Instead of attempting that, they went for it on fourth and two, hit Josh Reynolds right in the hands, he drops it. Then they did it again in the fourth quarter when they were trailing 27 to 24. They passed on the long field goal attempt on fourth and three. Niners stopped them, then scored for a touchdown to go up by 10. But this has been the Lions' DNA all season long. And according to some analytics, and I was doing a little bit of research beforehand, the decision to go for it in terms of analytics was favored by 0.3% on that first situation, 0.2% on the second situation. So this was a toss up. But when you think about who Detroit is and what they've been good at all year, this aligns with their strength. Their defense is awful. They get destroyed in the passing game. So why not go for it on fourth and two? The drive before that, they ran a 13-yard play with uh, Jameer Gibbs on third and 12. So they are perfectly capable of converting in those situations. But this is what happens. Sometimes the ball just doesn't drop your way and the call doesn't go your way. When I say a combination of mistakes, like you mentioned, fourth down, there was a pass. Reynolds dropped one. There was a couple drop passes. There was a couple overthrows by Jared Goff in the fourth. But to your point, the Lions are really good at running the football, and you saw that in the first half. But in the second half, they ran the football a total of eight times. So Got away from it. Coaching decisions to go for it on fourth, not running the ball as much, Jared Goff missing some throws, the receivers dropped a couple passes, one on third down for a conversion, one on fourth down that everyone saw where they could have kicked a field goal. There was a punt. They could have downed at the one. They couldn't do that right. There was a fumble yeah. by Gibbs on the first yeah. play of a drive. There was, like, I could go on and on. The interception, well, the should have been interception that hit the Detroit Lions DB in the head or the hands, and then a Ute caught that for, like, a 60-yard bomb to the five-yard yeah. line. So just so many opportunities. So was it what they did or was it what they didn't do? It was a combination of everything. And, and you know what? I'm fine with that. I am fine with pointing the finger in those situations. They had a few bad breaks. They had the ball that just didn't go their way. The fumble was critical. There were some critical errors. But the narrative that is going to surface after this game is going to be about those two fourth down attempts that they did not convert on. And you know it. It already is the narrative. For the next 24 to 48 hours, all that anyone is going to talk about is how crazy Dan Campbell is for going for it in a, a playoff game, the conference championship game. But why should the situation matter? This is how they got here, man. They got to the playoffs. They were in this position because of how aggressive they were. So they are who we thought they were. They're just a very aggressive team. This is a part of their DNA. Although, I don't know if you heard this after the game, Anson. You know, I, I don't know if the facts are straight or where I got this information from, but is it true that Dan Campbell was quoted telling his players that this was probably their only shot at a Super Bowl? <laughs> he did say that it's most did, likely right? their last time getting to that opportunity that they had. Well, I respect them for that because they will not be getting back there. And any <laughs> Detroit Lions fan that's listening – that was your shot, and oh, that's as good as no. it's going to get, okay? Because the Vikings are going to be healthy and better next year. The Bears have all those draft picks. The Packers and Jordan Love are going to be great. So their division is going to be brutal next year. They will not be back. I'm sorry. I was cheering for Detroit <laughs> uh, from a personal perspective, but uh, 
from a money perspective, I was cheering for San Francisco. So the Lions will not be back. Uh, we, we shouldn't call you the pod father anymore. It should be the, the degenerate gambler, Antonino DeSandro. <laughs> I, I think we might have to think of a better one. Than that, but we're getting there. Yeah, that's a little long-winded. But yeah. all right, man, cool stuff. Uh, let, let's head into third down. It's third and long now. What were you thinking? I think everybody knows what we were thinking here. Zay Flowers, Lamar Jackson, both players making critical mistakes in this game, but both players also keeping their team in the game at certain points. Let's let's focus on Zay Flowers first and that really poor penalty and that poor decision on his behalf. You want to break it down first? Zay Flowers Awesome rookie receiver. He's been making plays all year. Big plays. He's a splash player. He made a big play, and it was the second one of the game. Got him down to within the 10-yard line, made a huge grab. After the catch, he gets gets tackled, goes down, gets up, shoves the cornerback's shoulder to the ground to get up off him, and spins the ball right behind his head, and then flexes right on top of him, and they call a taunting penalty. And I'm sitting here thinking, come on, man. Act like you've been there. You guys are down by 10 points. You've scored seven points the whole game. Act like you've been there. Get back in that huddle. Put some points up on the board. So that was very disappointing. And then he does make a blunder after that, that I think everyone saw. Yeah. So he had the opportunity to potentially get in the end zone, score a touchdown to put them right back in the game, only down by a field goal potentially. But he was stopped short, and instead of just taking the the L in that case, he decides to stretch the ball out, which in the moment, man, and after this play, I, I kind of went on a little bit of a rant with those that I was watching the game with because this literally happened last week to the Chiefs with McCole Hardman where he had the ball, stretched it out to try to get the touchdown, knocked out, touchback. Same situation happens to Zay Flowers. Rookie mistake. Honestly, and he hadn't been in the moment, but you're right. Act like you've been in the moment with the penalty, with that play. But if you're the coach, how are you not instilling this in these guys going into the game? Like the lack of mental awareness and situational awareness is profound. Like I get that you're trying to make the play, but don't risk that for your team. Like, (laughs) you know, take the L. You're going to be first in goal at the one-yard line, and you can run the ball four times and maybe score. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for celebrating, talking trash. I did it when I played. It's part of the game. But you can do that not over top of the other guy or making contact with the other guy. You're just asking for it. But uh, like you said, Zay Flowers, he's a rookie. He wasn't there last season because, and I want all my Baltimore Ravens fans to listen closely, last year – the Baltimore Ravens got kicked out of the playoffs by none other than the Cincinnati Bengals on a goal line stop in which the quarterback stretched his arm out and fumbled on the goal line. So I'm sure a lot of these Ravens players yesterday were having flashbacks of last year at now it having been the second straight year they get kicked out of the playoffs on a goal line fumble. 
That's what you're hoping, man. You're th- you're hoping that people are thinking of your Bengals, but they're probably just thinking about that loss to the Titans like four years ago and not your Bengals <laughs> getting them out of the playoffs. Hey, <laughs> Lamar Jackson, that's a whole nother story. I mean, 0-4 in playoff games when the opponent scores more than 13 points. I mean, I thought this was the MVP. I thought this was the high-scoring offense. Mm-hmm. Number one defense, Hall of Fame kicker. You know, they had everyone healthy. Number one rushing attack. Still can't get it done. I don't know. I don't know. You've, you've been waiting for this. Ravens fans, he has been waiting for this. Going into this recording, we had like our pre-production meeting, the two of us, and Antonino said, I can't wait to spit some venom and some toxicity on those Ravens. <laughs> they had their chance. They had their chance, and there it went. That team's going to look a lot different next year. They got some free agents. They were on their home field. And they let the Swifties get the best of them, you know. I guess uh, Lamar Jackson just couldn't get it done when it matters most. And we've seen that in the past. Uh, on a serious note, first half, five completions, one of them to himself. That's just not going to cut it. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes was 20 for 25 in the first half. Now you tell me, when you go into this game, no one saw that coming. And there's running backs. They have the number one rushing attack in the whole NFL. The running backs on their team rushed six times the whole game. That's just terrible. Terrible well, all That I'm glad you bring up the rushing game because that stood out to me. I, they combined for a total of 81 yards, which tells me they got away from the running game. Well, look look at this. Gus Edwards, he only had three carries. Same with Justice Hill. And Gus did break a 15-yard run at one point. But a very telling statistic that I found here was that during the regular seasons, when the Ravens were facing a first and 10, with the score still within 14 points, Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, called about 50% of designed run plays in those situations. So on Sunday, though, they ran the ball just nine times on 21 tries on first and 10. So that's excluding any sort of designed QB runs. So that's only 35% of the times they chose to have designed run plays. Not only that, though, the Chiefs ranked as the 26th rush defense success rate during the regular season. So all of this is telling me that the Ravens panicked, their coordinators panicked once they fell into that hole, and they got away from what got them there, which was their rushing attack. Yep, and we're talking about a team who's used to playing with the lead. So I think that has a big part of it, playing from behind, down 10 points, they had to really air it out. They weren't having much success doing that either till late when the Chiefs were playing uh, some loose defense. But they were playing a defense that was the bottom third of the league in stopping the run. So why would you yeah. not try and expose their weakness with what you're good at? So I think uh, they did have a couple injuries at the running back position throughout the year, but that's no excuse to only run the ball six times with your designated running backs that are in the game. Yeah, I mean, it, altogether, it was a combination of mental lapses for the Ravens. We could pretty much just redefine this whole segment for what were you thinking and just throw the whole Ravens into that. Not to not to blast you Ravens fans too much, but they, critical rub- penalties and everything. I'm rubbing off on you. You see that, everyone? I'm rubbing off. <sighs> and I've been such a Ravens fanboy mm-hmm. over the season. I've been supporting these guys, but they really did not show up. Uh, one last thing just to throw in here, too, with Jackson. He held the ball for more than four seconds on 13 dropbacks in this game, Antonino. 
And he was sacked four times on those, including the strip sack. So all four times he was sacked, he was basically holding the ball too long because the Chiefs were really just taking away the intermediate passing game for the Ravens. And, you know, we saw a ton of miscues, a, a ton of mental errors by them. Jackson threw that pick into triple coverage, which was just dumb in the end zone. So what were you thinking, Baltimore? What were you thinking, Jackson's A Flowers? What were you thinking, yeah. coaching staff? Tough way to end the season. Hey, we're we're running close on time here, but we do have a few more minutes for fourth and forever. Time for a Hail Mary. Dropping back in the pocket, looking. There's the Hail Mary. Headed for the end zone. And it is. And the big Hail Mary, the obvious Hail Mary, was the 49ers comeback victory after trailing 24 to 7 and half to the Detroit Lions and winning this one. 34 to 31 instant reaction. What did you see? We already talked about the Detroit side of things, but let's focus on the Niners here and some of the big plays that they made. Oh, Mr. Purdy. That's who I want to talk about. Mr. Quote unquote game manager. Anyone who says that they can GTFOH. He has the it factor. He came out in the second half. He was throwing, he was running. He made the plays they needed. Uh, to come back from 24-7 down. And he's 21-5 and as a starter now. That's enough trash talk for uh, Purdy. This guy needs some respect. And uh, I think going into the Super Bowl, he could earn it. He can earn it straight up by getting this win. I think all the haters would be qualmed if he ends up winning this Super Bowl. They should be quiet as it is because he did lead this team to a Super Bowl now. Uh, This is tied for the third largest comeback in conference championship game history in the NFL. And the game had to have been highlighted with Brandon Ayuk's 51-yard catch, too, that was deflected off the f- defender's face mask. That that was wild. Did you yeah, see that play? I did see that play. And with, you know, everyone wasn't sure about Debo and his injury, but Ayuk came to play. Debo had his stats. CMC made plays when they needed it. Joey Bosa had eight pressures. All their playmakers came out and made plays when they needed it the most. Yeah. I mean, they have a litany of talent, too. I I think, what, they had 12 Pro Bowl reserves, nine Pro Bowl starters. So this this team is just deep with talent. It's going to be fun talking about the Super Bowl matchup between them and the Kansas City Chiefs over the next couple weeks. But any final comments on this game before we move on to our positive impact and exit of the the episode. Yeah, I found the fun tidbit that history repeated itself yesterday in a weird way because 66 years ago, in December 22nd, 1957, the Detroit Lions beat the 49ers after being down 24-7 at half. And that, at the time, was the Western Conference Championship And the same scenario, except reverse, the Lions went and came back from 24-7 and beat the 49ers. So this is a payback 66 years in the making. So that kind of blew my mind. Wow. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I didn't even know that. So kind of a reverse stat. Usually it's me pulling all these old historical stats. What you doing, Antonino? Yeah, I couldn't help myself. You know, the the, <laughs> earth, the earth is flat and history repeats itself. You know, me and my conspiracies. I look into all this stuff. <laughs> I can't wait to hear more about them. <laughs> all right, man. You want to wrap us up and then I'll I'll bring us home with my positive impact too? Yeah, the 49ers. 
Let's talk about positive impact. They did not give up on each other, okay? I looked at X at halftime, and there were some very toxic tweets out there. Even 49ers fans had paper bags on their heads. They had memes they were giving up. And in the game, they were even booing them. So bottom line is, you got to have faith in what you're doing, even during the bad times, okay? Because not everyone's going to believe in you. Uh, just showing that resiliency, having faith in your skills, the skills that got you to where you are is so important. And they did that and they came back and uh, probably made a lot of people feel stupid. But always believe in yourself. Yeah, and I, I'll also chime in on the sentiments with these Niners. It seemed like things were over with at one point. They still went out there and focused on what they could control, which was the play that they had in front of them. So for me, take a step back. If you feel like you've fallen into a hole in your life, there's some big changes you're trying to make, you know, New Year's resolutions now that we're into the, the fresh start of 2024, rather than focusing on this goal at the end of the tunnel, just focus on the small steps that you have to take to get there. And like the 49ers, they focused on what they could control on, which was just the play in front of them. They were able to chip away at the, the deficit and overcome that for the victory. So you can do that too in your life. That's right. And luckily, if you have us, we'll take you with you one step at a time. Well, with that, thank you for joining us for another episode of the First and 30 podcast. Until next week, remember, when your number's called, no matter the odds, just, just go, go for it. it. This is a First and 30 production. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Podcast, or wherever you listen. Be a part of the community by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at First and 30.